Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Well, this is going to be a short sermon today uh, for uh, three reasons. One, uh, it's Mother's Day, so I know some of you are ready to get out and and go and uh, get to the restaurant and beat everybody else there, right? You beat the rush, um, right? As my, uh, my father-in-law, he always says, keep it simple, uh, keep it short, stupid. I think my mother-in-law, because it's Mother's Day, she says, keep it short, sweetie. I think that's what she says. Um, uh, the, uh, the final reason there is uh, because I'm, I don't know if you can tell, but I have a little bit of a cold today, so uh, I have uh, a short endurance um, I think as well, though, this particular passage, I could almost just get up and read this. I mean, it's so direct. It's so clear. I think that you could walk away from it going, okay. There, there's a little bit of clarification I want to throw in there. But for the most part, as you read this passage, as you hear this passage, you're going to go, hmm. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Uh, last week, Paul described the church as a field. For those of you that were here last week, remember that? Church is like a field. And uh, we talked about how Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the... Well, thank you. And it's not even Father's Day. <laughs> wow. Does that mean he wants me to preach longer? Is that... She'd, oh, your mommy told you to. Um, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And we talked about what that means, and we looked into that, and there were some things that we learned last week. But this week, the illustration is going to shift. In fact, Paul shifts the illustration right in the middle of a sentence. So let's look at cha- uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Paul's continuing the study. He says, For we are God's fellow workers... You are God's field. See, there's that illustration. He's finishing up. But as soon as he finishes that, he shifts and he says, God's building. So he shifts illustrations mid-sentence from field and farmers to a building. Okay. Uh, Paul was describing it as a field. Now he's going to describe it as a building. I'd like you to hear what he has to say about the church being like God's building. So he says this, according to the grace of God given to me, Paul is speaking there, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, engineer and architect is what that is referring to, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and somebody else, someone else is building upon it. He's talking about Apollos right there. But then he says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Now, I need to pause here because as I was ta- looking at this, I thought, you know, this needs a little bit of clarification before we can really understand what Paul is saying here. So I'm going to take a short rabbit trail, and I'm going to start with this uh, here. That here I have a bunch of pictures of temples. Okay. Now, the reason why I'm showing you pictures of temples is because uh, Paul is actually going to use this temple illustration later on in this chapter. So when he's thinking about building uh, I think that very much he's thinking about, they're thinking about temple-type structures, not just a house. Okay? A temple is a place where God, whether it was uh, 
the actual temple in Jerusalem, like the one I have in the middle there, that's a replica of that, or any other temples across the, this world, right? They're, to us, they represent a place, and to the Romans and to the Corinthians that lived there, they would have said, a temple is a place where God dwells with us. Now, for the Romans, right, and the Corinthians, they would have had a literal image, right? So, Apollos, or, you know, or the, this god here dwells, Aphrodite dwells with us. They would have had a statue, right? They would have had these different things right there. And they would have thought about God dwelling with us. So, here we have these ideas of temples. And even in the Old Testament, that's what the Jewish temples symbolize, that God would dwell with man. As we've been learning in Sunday school, and if you haven't been coming to Sunday school, uh, those videos we've been watching are super interesting. Um, we've learned in our Sunday schools that God dwelling with man was at the very center of God's community. And so as Moses leads the children of Israel, one of the, the first thing that happens is this tabernacle. God is, I'm going to dwell with you. And this community is established from that. In the New Testament, after the death of Jesus, that system, what it symbolized, it wasn't destroyed, but it was fulfilled. Okay? It was fulfilled in Jesus. In fact, when Jesus shouts from the cross, he says, it is finished. One of the things that happens is that veil in the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn from top to bottom. That's a miraculous thing in and of itself, if you know anything about the veil and how thick it was and all these other things. But it was just torn. But it symbolized something, that God was going to dwell with us and that anybody, and we see this in the book of Hebrews, right? Anybody, because of the death of Christ on the cross, has access to the holiest of holy places to dwell with God. Here we have, again, right at the center of this, we have this idea that God has established a community, okay, Establish a community where God is at the very center dwelling with us. I'm going to throw this up here, the kingdom of God, right? Think about the kingdom of God. Understand that we are a part of a community that is based on this. And this community, through Jesus, is meant to be borderless. God's idea was not to have a community that was going to be set off like the Jewish people had done, but we're to infiltrate in the world, but not of the world. We are a group of people, and I'm looking out at you today. We're a group of people that have God as our king, made possible by Christ. And that is the established reality of our community. We're still living on this planet in the world, but not of the world. Like strangers and aliens, the Bible talks about, pilgrims in a strange land. That's what we are in this world. But we are part of a God-centered community. That's so important. If you understand that when we're talking about this, if you really grab a hold of that, that this is meant to be something big in this world, God's community in this world is pictured in the church. Not this building, but its people. Okay? Put verse 10 back up there again. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. God's community. Right? He came into Corinth, literally with these people. He came into Corinth, laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Paulus came and built it. But all of us take, need to take care of how we build upon God's community in this world. 
So I think as we read through this, that even though there's some application of what I'm about ready to read, it's clearly for somebody like me that's preaching to you, teachers. There's clearly going to be some things for that, but we are all part of this. Paul literally laid the foundation. The book of Acts was about the foundation of God's community being laid. The church fathers built upon that. I genuinely believe that when we get to us, we're like, the framework is there. How are we going to continue this building, this temple, the community where God is going to dwell. Listen to what he says next. Let's dig into this illustration. He says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the foundation does not change, and it's been laid. Everything is built on the person and the work of Jesus. Ask yourself what this means for a second. There's going to be a whole lot of things that you can come up with. I actually would love it if you could participate at this part. So let me ask the question again, and then I'm going to get you pointing in the right direction. I'd love to hear some aspects of what it means to have this foundation as Jesus Christ. What does it mean? I think everything. Okay? But when you think of the person and work of Jesus, what do you think of? So let me give you some examples. We're going to build on that. Okay? Uh, I think of sacrifice, love, grace, life. I think of the fact that in Jesus Christ, we recognize that everything that's good is grace. Imagine now building on that type of foundation for your life. What else do you think of when you think about the person? And I, I can remember when I was a kid hearing pastors say that phrase, the person and work of Jesus and I kind of understood what they meant, but through this last few weeks, I've been going, man, I know what they're talking about. And I get it. The person and the work. So the person, who he is, but what he did. That's the foundation of this God community that's in this world. What else comes to your mind? I notice I gave you some like just one word things, but you could expand on that. What comes to your mind when you think about the person and the work of Jesus? What do you think about when you think about Jesus? His precious word, the truth of it. The value of it? What else do you think of? His faithfulness. Anybody else have something to throw in there? Salvation. What did you say? All the way to the cross. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you said salvation because, I mean, that's, our, all of our hope is in this. But then you see the picture of his light. I mean, both aspects, when, when we're talking about the foundation I think both ideas ought to come into play. When we take, think of the person and the work of Jesus, we are saved by, by grace alone, by the work that Jesus did. But that is a foundation on which we're to build all of our lives, by how he lived his life. And that's why you see that over and over again through Scripture. You see them, this is how he lived, walk as he did. Okay? Person and work of Jesus, that's the foundation. Yeah. At starting as a sinner, having been saved. Yeah. Adult, starting at that same level for each and every one of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that John said that because isn't that particularly the thing that Paul has been addressing in Corinth, their lack of unity? And we talked about at the beginning of Corinthians, what unifies us is the person and the work of Jesus. Okay, not any other things. This is why we can all come in here together from a variety of backgrounds, a variety of thoughts and opinions and all kinds of things. There, there ought to be variety, but what are we unified on? 
Jesus. That's the thing that unifies us. And I think that part of that plays out because then when you come here, if you're unified on Jesus, you come here and you're not expecting everybody else to have their acts together because you know, why are you here? Because I didn't have my act together. Jesus saved me. And so you come here and you go, Jesus saved that person too and he saved me and I ought to have grace for them because I know I need grace. God's kind of community. The foundation, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. It, it's like you read my mind. <laughs> the next verse I have, because it reminded me of the same thing. of what I just sit down. You can just take over here. Um, I, was, I, I read this and I thought, I thought the same thing. It I reminded me, even though this particular illustration is a little bit off. I mean, it's not a direct connection, but it did remind me of some words of Jesus. Jesus talks about everyone who, then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, you, I know you've heard this before, but think about what he's saying here. If you hear and do, that's like the wise man who builds his house on the rock, on a good foundation. Uh, it was so interesting. It was, I don't remember how many weeks ago we'd actually talked about this um, with those videos and how... Um, they would actually have in these valleys, they would have these uh, flash floods. And correct me if I'm wrong on how, how he described it. They have these valleys. I mean, picture those desert valleys in, in Israel. And they would have these flash floods. And so you think building your house on the rock that was up here on the sand down here. Well, when the floods came, and that's exactly what they would do. They knew that. They were familiar with that. The floods would just come out of nowhere. They wouldn't see them coming. Flash flood. <laughs> The houses that were built on the sand would not withstand a house built on the rock. But this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. This is what we think of. This firm foundation of Jesus Christ, something uh, unmovable, always abiding. That's going to be really important. Keep those thoughts. Jesus goes on to say in his story, he says, The rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Point number one today, when you think about, and this is why I had to pause because what I'm getting ready to say next is going to be, it'll feel foreign to some of you. When you are building your life in this community of God, right? When you're building your life, some of us don't think that way. We don't think in those terms. For many of you, I know that church is this thing you do on the weekends. You have a variety of reasons. Church is not the thing that you do on the weekends. Church is God's community. This is our time where we try to show it visibly by the believers in this town getting together in the little pockets and all these different buildings across this town to encourage one, one another, to build each other up. We're going to see that, that verbiage throughout the rest of Corinthians, building each other up, building each other up. I think Paul's laying a, a groundwork of thought here as well. When we get together on Sunday, this is not just the thing you do on Sunday. This is just a chance for us to remind ourselves we're part of God's community. One of the first ways that you can go wrong 
is building your life on the wrong foundation. So let's put this up here. For, I find that cool picture. It's like blueprints, but a church. That's kind of a cool picture. Um, don't build on the wrong foundation. Don't build on the wrong foundation. This means, if we get really down to earth about this, there, there's a lot of ways we could think about this. I think first of all, just to build on the right foundation is to, it's got to do with where your hope is at, Jesus. But it, it's bigger than that. I think it goes into how you think about and how you choose to make your decisions of life. Isn't that what Jesus said? He who hears these words of mine and does them. So part of building on the foundation of Jesus is knowing what God says. Well, what, what's one of the ways that you can develop that in your life? Read. What's it say? How ought I to live? You come to church. That's another reason why you come here to this, this gathering, to learn. You fill yourself up with it through the week. This is why many of you I know, instead of just listening to random things, you turn on Christian radio. You hope to catch a preacher here and there. You're trying to fill up your mind. Why? Because your foundation, everything about who you are, is built on Jesus. One of the ways you can go wrong is by not founding your life on this. And some of you, I think, and I know there's been times where I have, have not founded our lives on Jesus. What are some other things that people found their lives on that might be good things? But what are some other things that people found their lives on? It's kind of like the, the, their go-to thought process. What, how do they make their decisions? What are some other things that people do? What are they, how do they build their lives? What are some other things that they might do that might be good, but they're not Jesus? Fame. That's, that's true in our world, isn't it? That's, I, that people do what they can to build a following. To gather, that's actually one of the issues in, in Corinth, right? There was people that were like, we're, we're, we're after this group, we're after this group, trying to build that following. What else is there? What's that? Career. Career. Finding your identity based on the job that you have, right? Making decisions based on what can further that. Yeah. Yeah. Self, just... Feelings? Ooh, feelings. That's a tough one, isn't it? Because if your feelings are good, you make some good decisions. Your feelings are bad, you make some bad. Feelings are not trustworthy way to make your decisions, are they? What else is there? These are good. I didn't, some of these I haven't even thought of. This is good. Yeah. Friends, relationships. I think that's, that's a good one because there's a lot of people that make bad decisions in order to maintain certain friendships and relationships. Why? Well, I think if we're understanding what Paul's talking about, maybe it's because they're building their lives on something besides Christ. Christ is about sacrifice, selflessness, obedience to the Father, perseverance, salvation. We base everything on these things. Unity. Right? So the first way that we can go wrong in this passage is by building our lives on the wrong Foundation. Now, we can keep thinking about that, but let's think about because the foundation, I think we would all agree. Okay, that's good. I got you, Matt. Foundation, Jesus Christ. But where do we go from there? Listen to what he says next. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation 
with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Now I'm going to go back so you can't read the rest yet. Now, you heard six building materials mentioned. This is actually why I, I don't think he, he's talking about the actual building itself. I think he's talking about what we're doing even today, finishing it out. Paul came and laid the foundation, right? What, then, you know, others came in and built on it. What are we doing? How are we going to be careful how we build? Okay, so I know I took it away, but do you remember what were the six building materials? I know my mom can quote them, so she doesn't get the answer. Straw, stubble, gold, wood, precious stones, and then silver was the other one. There are two categories in this, this grouping. In the order he said them, gold, silver, precious stones, and he said wood, hay, stubble. Okay? <coughs> With these two things, the first category is not combustible. They're not flammable. The second group, and I think it actually says wood, hay, uh, and straw. We used to say stubble, right? But this is actually, it's, it's talking about straw. Uh, it, it, combustible. So let's do this before I put up the rest of that. Let me skip ahead here. Don't build with the wrong materials. Okay, now I'm going to come back to the rest of that verse in just a second. But let's think about building with the raw material. There are materials that last. I think that's the illustration Paul is saying here. There's some materials that are going to last. There's some materials that are durable. And that he's going to dig really into this in just a moment here, so bear with me. But let's think about these things that last. Paul, the writers of the New Testament, the ones who truly founded the church on Jesus Christ, that's the foundation, Apollos, those church fathers, preachers and teachers, but here we are, his fellow workers, building on that foundation of Jesus Christ. We are the building, he actually said earlier. What are we made of? I, I thought about asking it that way. What are we made of? What, are, what, what materials, how are we contributing to God's community? Are they with things that last or things that don't? Now, notice I haven't paused to let you throw out some answers yet, right? Because before we do that part, I need you to think about what the rest of this verse says. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, listen to what he says here. This is sobering. Okay? Each one's work will become manifest for the day. Notice the version here has capitalized that. And that's a good thing to do because it's talking about the day. In the Bible, there's, there's this reference to this day, the last day, the day, the great and awful, terrible day, the wondrous day. There's a day of judgment that's coming. It tells me it's specified time. It's real. It's going to happen. Each one's work will become manifest. That you know, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting myself here. But you know what this also is telling me right away? If, if each one's work will become manifest, there could be a reality that some of it may not be manifest or obvious now. Each, one work, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. 
Now, people's minds immediately go into, what does this mean? What's the fire? What's going to... Don't do that. Let's think about what Paul's point is. His point is not try to figure out what the fire is or when the day is going to happen. His point is, there's a day coming. And the, the building materials that are used, some last, some don't. That's his point. The day. The fire, I believe, if we have to put something on it, because I know some of you won't let that go, is the fire of God's judgment. You can think of God's judgment as a burning, testing fire. There are plenty of Old Testament passages that describe God's judgment in such a view. The fire is the fire of God's judgment. Now, this verse and the following have always been intriguing to me, and I've wondered what they've meant so often. So as we're thinking about not building with the wrong materials, listen to what he says next. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, so now there's some that are building on the right foundation, okay, so they're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. That sounds nice, doesn't it? And the Bible has plenty to say about that. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I don't read too much into this trying to come up with other meanings of this. This is basically like if I said, he'll be saved by the skin of his teeth. Okay, that's basically what Paul's saying. I would rank this up there with some of the most sobering words in the Scripture. Because regardless of where you go with this, there's a reality that as we contribute, participate in the building of God's community, there are some of us that are going to stand on Judgment Day and have nothing to show. We're saved, but that's it. Everything we've contributed to God's community was worthless. There are some that that is a reality, and that is what Paul is saying here. It reminded me of a passage of scripture that my mom made me memorize when I was young. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Now there's a point to that passage, but I want to focus in on the fact that there are things that you do, again, that are durable, eternal, and they're things that you can contribute to God's community that won't last past judgment. One of the commentaries I read put it this way. He said, bad workmanship does not of itself threaten loss of salvation. The loss will be serious enough. I'm glad he put it that way. That's the, that is the reality. At the last day, such a builder may become aware that he or she has contributed little or nothing permanent to the kingdom. Let that sink in for a minute. Because I can start to ask the question, then what's, what's permanent and lasting? I think all those things, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, are all 
rooted in who Jesus Christ is, flowing out how he lived. His, I mean, we could, we could talk about that for a minute, but let's just, I, I've learned that I don't need to always tell you what everything means. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you, as I'm saying this, know that there's some ways that you've been contributing to God's kingdom that are not permanent, lasting things. You're building your own kingdom. You're contributing what you think is fun, is good, what makes you happy, what you enjoy, what you want. But there are some things that will endure past that day, and there are other things that will not. Eternal souls, they last. I don't know if I could tell you all the exact things that we're talking about here, but I do know this. Investing into human beings, loving them, caring for them, following the example of Christ, sacrificially reaching out, showing care. Those, I think that is one Maybe that's the gold or the silver or the precious stones. I don't know. There's some of that that I think will continue on into eternity. I think there are some that will, you'll see in eternity that will say thank you for witnessing. Thank you for showing love. Thank you for caring. You're going to see that. There's things that's clearly on the other end of the spectrum. The house, right? The stuff we have. Getting everything just right. You ever notice how we feel sometimes, like we, and we work so hard to get all of our ducks in a row? That doesn't even last till next week. Why would that last into eternity? I want to end with this thought. Asking yourself, how are you contributing to God's eternal kingdom? Are you even doing that? What contributions have you made to God's kingdom? Are you building upon it? You may walk out of this room and go, you know what, I don't even know if I've got my life built on the foundation of Jesus now that I think about it. I'm living my life just how I want. Church is this thing I do on the weekends sometimes. This should be everything to you. The Bible, Christ, the work that he's done should be an all-consuming thought. Ask yourself, what foundation? But then ask yourself the next question. Say, how am I contributing? What have I done? Will I stand before God on that day Empty-handed? i got to go back to this for just a second. Because Paul says bad words... I'm sorry, let me go back. That's the quote from him. Um, That sentence right there that Paul says, if anyone's work is burned up, so anyone's work, this is what they've contributed. This is what Paul's talking about. What they've contributed to God's kingdom. How you've lived your life. Right? How you've lived your life. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. 
Theologically, I don't know all that that entails. I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you right now. I don't know. I can tell you that it's not good. I, I can tell you that I read that and I go, I don't want that. I don't have to know what it means. I don't want that. So he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I mean, I don't want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to be on this earth a contributing member of God's community. For some, you will need to walk out of this building today saying, I'm done building my own kingdom. I want to be part of God's kingdom. And you may not even know what that looks like. You're going to have to walk out of here and go, God, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what I'm saying. But you can bank something on that right there. There's a day coming. You're going to stand before God. And you're going to give an account how you've lived this life. What's that day going to be like? Some of you, that day may be today. You could walk out of this building, get in your car, and not even make it down to the end of the road before something happens to you. That day could be today for you. Are you ready for that day? Think of all the things that you got listed. You go, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I want to get this done. Who the flip cares? How are you contributing to God's kingdom? Have you been living your life by trying to get everything that you want and get things to be the way you want them? Are you, are you spinning your wheels and all that? And there's a day coming. Prepare yourself for that day. It's going to happen. Now I'm going to close. And uh, a couple things are going to happen. First, I'm going to have the guys come up in just a minute, not just yet. And uh, we're going to participate in communion together. This is our reminder, isn't it? What's our foundation? Jesus. He came. He died. He rose again. Everything I have that's good is because of him. So you'll take that bread and you go, man, this body that was broken is for me. This, this blood is for me. I'm cleansed of my sin. I can be a part of God's community in this world. And it's not based on my credentials. It's based on his credentials. So I can be a part of this community of God. What an amazing privilege that is. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste the, the days, hours that you have left on this planet building your kingdom that won't last. Like a sandcastle when the tide is coming in. It's not going to last. Instead, I want to encourage you as you're partaking of this to say, God, maybe as, as I'm leading you through this, you're going to say, Lord, I, I've been living my life, making my decisions based on, I, I don't even know if I think about what's glorifying to you when I make my decisions. That's like the last thing that comes up in my head. I think, is it practical? Is it going to work? Is it going to benefit me? Is it going to make me look good? I got all these other questions I go through. I don't even know if I throw that one on the list. Is it what God would have me to do? Is it what is best for his kingdom? So some of you are going to have to repent today and say, Lord, turn me around. Turn me around. Help me to change. I don't want to, I don't, I don't know what that means. But I don't want to be there, have my work burned up, suffer loss, and make it but by the skin of my teeth. There's time. None of you are dead yet. 
There's time. But if you start today. In Hebrews, it quotes an Old Testament passage. It says, and this was the verse that turned me around, got me motivated. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So if you're sitting here today and you're going, man, I have not been building my life or contributing to the kingdom of God. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today can be a day of repentance for you. All right, I'm going to go ahead and have the guys come up. And uh, for your sake, I'm going to hand sanitize. And they're going to grab the trays for me instead of me handing them to them. But let me go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day. And Lord, I just pray now that you'd help us to truly remember you. Or to remember all that you've done, to remember this foundation that's been laid by Paul and Apollos and building up this building. God, I pray now that as we contribute to your kingdom, there would be gold and silver and precious stones and not things that will burn up. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.